0: The royalty of college football is in assembly. What can you say? They, they were fired up. They played like they were on you know cocaine sandwiches the whole game. Two sides. You never go against at home. The Russian Army and Notre Dame. 50.
1: Welcome back to Shooting the Breeze. I am your host, Mike Calabrese. We are recording with uh, a little midweek fun belt going on in the background for us, uh, South Alabama and Troy. And great move by the Sun Belt this week, back to back. There's a Thursday night game as well. Fun belt action coming at you, hot and heavy. Uh, we're going to get into MAC action, and I believe two weeks it kicks off in earnest, and then it'll be every week uh, through the end of the regular season. But before we get into any of our picks for this week or any more hot chatter about uh, you know additional teams in the state of Alabama mississippi that are not in the sec we'd like to give a great shout out to one of our loyal listeners jared a west virginia graduate who had this voicemail for us on saturday night here i am all excited about my iowa bet and they fucking come out in these horrendous uniforms possibly the ugliest uniforms i've ever seen that absolutely terrible stretch stadium awesome though Now, I couldn't quite tell there at the end if he said, let's get that money or let's get muddy. I don't know if that's a West Virginia thing, but I was really looking forward to getting muddy, to be honest. Um, And I'm going to pose this question to you, Ryan, to, to kick off the show here officially. When Iowa came out in those jerseys, I had a feeling that it was not only going to be a game I was going to miss, but a game I was going to miss in excruciating fashion. And guess what? They end up going for that two-point conversion that would have got them within three, covering the four and a half. Instead, they miss it. They lose by five. I lose by the hook. I'm going to make a a serious callback to our Loyola days. I had a college roommate uh, my first, or maybe it was the second semester when I transferred into Loyola, who would bet on like weeknight basketball games talking like Long Beach State, whatever was the 11 p.m. or 12 a. Eastern tip. And the way that he would bet it is whenever ESPN cut in with their you know college basketball studio music and they're like warming up the 49ers taking on Sacramento State Hornets and whoever was warming up that they showed first, he bet on them. He hit about 70 percent. Do you have any weird uh, rituals when it comes to gambling, Ryan, as it relates to uniforms or mascots or whoever they show first on the screen?
2: I mean, not betting on somebody in the middle of the country who designed those uniforms. It looked like a pirated feed of an Oregon uniform from a decade ago when they went they went with like the Spartan crosshatch steel look and then they went all feathers with the Pacific Northwest vibe. And this looked like they tried to combine them or they like took the feathered Oregon ones and drew it in Microsoft paint and then put it on a uniform. It was bad. And, like, it looked, the stadium looked cool. I love when they do the alternating section thing that Boise made so famous with all the coordination for different home games. That's really cool. It's a fun vibe and a tough atmosphere to come into, but those uniforms were rough. You know what they also, they look like when the Jets do the old Titans uniforms that are that, like, mustard yellow and navy. It just looks like a a uniform that was left in the past for a reason. It was bad.
1: Yeah. uh, Speaking of also bad, uh, our 19 parlay, by you know results it's a, it's a binary system on a parlay it was bad it was a loss um but let's not get bogged down by all that negativity Ryan let's get positive i don't know if you're going to go more statistical with your picks this week some more gut shots what do you got for us i don't know mike but i find it suspicious
2: that this is the first week we haven't recapped everybody's picks when i went 3 and 0 can we just take a pause real quick on
1: week 7 on week 7 real quick i Drilled it. You, pro- you probably can't, you can't hear me through your tinfoil hat with this conspiracy that somehow I'm trying to silence your 3-0 and week. You know, I, I don't care to respond, and I find the allegations to be distasteful, to be honest. So why don't we just jump into your picks? Hopefully you can go, I don't know, 3-0 and for the first time. Oh, I actually, hold on. The stat boy here is telling me you did go 3-0 and last week. Oh, the more you learn. There
2: you go. There you go. We're, we're getting there. It's only week eight. Who knows? Uh, All right. So I'm going to start with Friday night like I usually do. And I like the over in Ohio State Northwestern. Uh, I like that both of these teams have played Michigan State. I like that Northwestern is a punchy team like they usually are. And I really like Ohio State's defense. So why do I like over then? Because I think Ohio State knows that they need to continue to put their foot on the gas. We are now two thirds of the way through the season or we will be after these games. This is the point at which they will there will be no mercy shown. They haven't shown a lot of mercy to begin with, but I don't think Northwestern can stop their offense, and I think Ohio State knows that with a pretty strong top 10 and a bunch of Power 5 teams that are still in the conversation – In order to move up, if they, if you know, Oklahoma continues to run, if you get a weird Big 12 championship, there's going to be a lot of pressure. They know that they need to run the table just to secure whatever it is that they're going for, which obviously is a national championship. So I think you're going to see them throw up a ton of points here. And I think 49 and a half is pretty low on that. But tell me why I'm wrong.
1: Well, I I think to feel comfortable about this, you probably want. 10 to 14 points at a minimum from Northwestern and the thing about it is on a short week can you know both teams really show up early in this game and particularly Northwestern whose offense has been let's just call it a work in progress to be really kind just an absolute abomination if we're being honest and is this the defense to get right on no but you figure maybe in terms of energy, the Big Ten doesn't play a lot of games on Friday night. There's a little bit of a special factor, and maybe they play up to their competition even just for a quarter coming out and, and given the energy. I, I I still think I'd also bet over, to be honest, because I just think Ohio State can lay a huge crooked number on them. I see them probably scoring north of 50 on their own, so I'll go ahead and join you on this one, but I, I really don't have any faith in Northwestern's offense.
2: Well, I'd go back to your play from last week, which is that if— if you could bet insurance on an under that there wasn't going to be a defensive score, you would, you'd be much more likely to pay that, right? You know, don't give me an ace. I don't need a pick six or a a strip and score scoop and score strip sack scoop and score. But I mean, what's going to stop Ohio state from doing that to this Northwestern offensive line? Like I, I think you, a defensive touchdown or two is very much in play here. These guys are, marauders so that's really where i'm leaning to is that i agree with you i think ohio state's offense is humming and i don't think northwestern's gonna be able to stop them but i also don't think northwestern's offense is gonna be able to stop ohio state's defense from scoring so i feel very comfortable 49 and a half the lines moved a bit since it opened about a point and a half Um, i would jump in now early if you can uh, because if it starts to creep up a little bit more i'd get i'd get more nervous because i just don't think northwestern can score enough on their own to make it comfortable
1: all right for my pick uh this is going to be a little bit quick um i think as you talked about Ohio State, the focal point is their desire to lay a big number on Northwestern and have a large margin of victory because they're in this beauty pageant with the other Blue Bloods to get into the college football playoff with the potential for you know six, five to six teams ending the season undefeated. I know we talk about this every year, and then somehow it sorts itself out, and generally speaking, you only have one to two, but Ohio State right now seems to be locked in. They know what they need to do. On the other side and this is for you know my first pick here for week 8 what happens to a team when that's that that brass ring that goal for the entire year they went through you know uh winter workouts into spring ball and UCF the whole time was talking about crashing the college football party at the very least going to you know the old school BCS bowl you know, representing uh, the AAC as their champion. Now that they've already dropped two games, you know, they they lose um, to Cincinnati on a Friday night. They lost a weird one in a high-scoring game to Pitt. Both those are out the window. It's just not going to happen. Not with uh, App State now undefeated, Boise State undefeated, all these other teams undefeated in the AAC. Everybody was looking for a letdown from UCF. So what's that vibe like in their locker room? And for that reason, I really like the Pirates of ECU catching 33 and a half. Anywhere between 31 and 35, I like this game because I've watched a few of their games this year. I started the season with their fantasy quarterback, Holden Aylers, and he had a slow start. It was a transition to a new staff under Mike Houston. But what I think is interesting, first-year coach, he has them playing really hard. All he had to do is go back and watch that Temple game. And they played the full four quarters, including through uh, a fourth quarter power outage. They came back out. They still still play tough to the final whistle. That's all I'm looking for here. I think this is a psychological play. I think UCF it certainly is two three touchdowns better just by rolling the helmets out but do they have that killer instinct and why are they running the score up they really don't have anyone to impress now with the college football playoff really out of the picture for them so i like ecu who by the way enters the game three and three you're at least going to get you know a, a punchy first quarter out of them because if they could steal a win here in a monumental upset they basically lock up bowl eligibility so ton of motivation factors for ecu a lot of question marks for ucf what do you think about stepping away from some of the advanced stats and thinking about motivation i'll a bowl game in the spot Ryan I think it's great I also think it's one of the things that
2: as a first-year head coach, you circle on the calendar too, right? Because they also know that UCF was the darling coming into the season. They also know the chatter that UCF has been talking about. And I know that Mike Houston has had this game circled for the rest of the – or for the whole preseason. So you're talking about the other side of the coin too, where you're not coming in with championship aspirations that were dashed, but you're coming in with excitement, with a lot of unknowns, with you know probably reasonable, if ambitious, expectations for your season. And they've shaken out pretty okay. I mean, ECU is – they're a team – on the rise, I think, and I think they would be the first to admit that they're not uh, in the competition for an, an AAC championship at, at most even. But sitting at 3-3 three three is not a bad year for a guy who was coaching JMU last year and the Citadel three years ago. Um, I think this is a game that you you go a little ways down the road not so far that you can't get a good contingent down there for, for probably the game that you knew was going to be your biggest game of the season before the season started. And 33 points is a lot to catch. It's tough to beat a team by five touchdowns. Um, and especially if you start to sap motivation one, one way or another or both, I like it. I'd I I'd go strongly here with ECU and Mike Houston. All right. Let's do
1: uh, one pick each um, before we kick it over to Matt Mitchell.
2: All right. I'll go with my noon game on Saturday. And why not go back to the well again when I can actually bet it? Because although I did pick 3-0, I forgot that the state of New Jersey only went half in on gambling and didn't let you bet on any New Jersey teams. So I kept searching for them. I was like, wow, this line is so bad that DraftKings pulled it off the board, and I forgot that you just can't bet Rutgers. So let's go back to the well. I like that Indiana is throwing down 5.5 on the road at Maryland. We've talked about how Maryland's a weird team. Um, The loss to Temple, the drubbing of Syracuse. I think this is a pretty evenly matched game. What's got me here, not advanced statistics, but just an old school gut feel. The line slid from Indiana minus one to minus five and a half in a day and a half. Um, Somebody steaming that up. It's a good number of bets on it, too. It's not just some shithead in Indianapolis who went to the school and is just throwing down, you know, stupid Midwestern money because everything costs 89 cents down there, including your starter home. Uh, This feels like a a steam move that's across a couple of the books and four and a half points is something to pay attention to. So I'm hoping I'm not in too late there. A touchdown still feels okay there. Um, I think it's an Indiana team who knows how to score. I think Maryland struggled on the offensive side of the ball in the last three games. So that's where we're at. I like Indiana here. Five and a half points. Feels about right. Get in while you can. And I like looking at the market with the big slide.
1: How much does this junior Phoenix have you hot and bothered? Do You know what? Don't answer that. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit of cover here and just immediately go to my, my second pick of week eight, which is a West Coast affair. It's the Oregon Ducks laying three in a rivalry game, going to Seattle, playing against a wounded Husky team that, yes, they got right last week, uh, beating up on Khalil Tate in Arizona. But they were only... They were only, I believe, going four and one, five and one coming into the game. That that was that record was not indicative of how good the Wildcats were, and I think it was the perfect kind of matchup for the Huskies team, who really wanted to get physical. You saw it in three touchdowns from uh, Salvan Ahmed, as well as their defense really pushing around the Arizona front. But other than that, there's just something off this season about the Husky team. I Chris Peterson's done a great job, but. You know, unless you're USC and you have the access to the talent in Southern California, and if they ever get the right coach down there, no one in the Pac 12 is in just a reload situation. So it's a rebuilding year for Coach Pete, and I think that's totally fine. On the other side, Oregon is totally different from the Oregon that people have grown accustomed to over the last 10 years. they're doing it with defense they're doing it with a, a an offensive line that is very physical and they're doing it by not making mistakes it, it, it's almost kind of akin to a, an AFC North kind of team where they have very competent quarterback play they're good in the trenches and they have a great defense I, I think this Oregon team nationally I do not understand why they're not higher in the polls the fact that they couldn't jump over Florida who gets you know waxed in that game by LSU. I just think in a neutral field, there's very few teams that I would take above Oregon, probably the top five or six teams in the country. And then I got Oregon seventh if I had a, if I had an AP ballot. So the fact that they're sitting in that 12 to 13 range, they really haven't moved up. What more do they have to do? They beat the shit out of Colorado. They beat them 45 to three. When you're looking at this season, it's just absolute domination on the defensive side of the ball. And Jacob Eason does not have the weapons on the perimeter. So I have no problem giving away three points. As a matter of fact, my pick for this week is I'm going to go alternate line. I'm going to lay 10.5 to get plus 280 on the money line uh, in terms of the juice on that. So I'm going to go with the Ducks, lay a big number. What do you like?
2: At one o three in the morning on Saturday, I placed a bet, which I remember placing. That's not always the case at one o three in the morning early on a Saturday. But I threw down on Oregon plus 10,000 to win the national championship because that team looks really really strong in every facet of the game and their defense looks basically impenetrable i'm with you i'm i was looking at them sitting at number 12 i think they were going into last week and they had two up two matchups where all four teams in those two games were ranked above them so cool two teams are going to lose that are in front of them at least and they're just gonna they put a hurting on utah it wasn't. It wasn't even close. Like you're watching them just own all three aspects of the game, and then they sat tight. I think they moved up. Or are they 11 now? I haven't even looked at the polls. I think they moved up barely a, a slot. I obviously it's tough to come back from a week one loss, but it was also a week one loss to Auburn, who's still turning out a nice season. And Buddy Nick still looks good down there. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know what they need to do. I think it's just the classic. They played at 10 o'clock on a Friday night on the West Coast. And what's going to need to happen for them to get noticed is you're going to need some chaos in the top five or six. But you know what? There's also five or six teams where that could happen. So all of a sudden you could get to Thanksgiving and Oregon has through that. This is the last game on their schedule that's going to give them any trouble, it looks like. So if they can slide into the Pac-12 championship undefeated and you've had a couple one loss teams in the other Power Five conferences, how could you not take a look at them for the the, uh playoff i
1: don't know a, a very succinct wrap up although i will say uh calling bo Nix buddy Nix is now probably my favorite thing when bo Nix plays well it's but bo, it's bono part two but when he doesn't play well i like throwing in any uh version of a name when you don't know a guy's name hey buddy hey pal Nix. hey guy Nix. matt i'm gonna pitch i'm gonna <laughs> pitch
2: I guess you. I guess you just don't know Bo Nix as well as I know Bo Nix. I've been calling him Buddy Nix since he was in diapers.
1: All right, listen, Chief Nix. Uh, we're going to kick it over to Matt Mitchell in Milwaukee. Do you, what's your best nickname for uh, Bo Nix when he doesn't have uh, a stellar performance? What says you, Matt?
0: Bo Picks is a popular nickname for Bo Nix when he starts uh, tossing those interceptions and melting down on the road as freshmen will do. I also like the nickname Smarmy, Know-It-All, Cheese Dick. Oh, sorry, that's, that's a nickname for somebody else that I know. Anyway, I am going to go with Miami minus 18 over Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech On offense is an unmitigated disaster this year as they transition away from the option attack that they've been running for so many years. And if there's any team I like to start corpse-fucking, it's the U. So I look for them to run up the score as early and as often as they can. Poured on them, poured on them, don't let them up just like our boy Jimmy Johnson would want. Next, I like Cal as minus 425 favorites over Oregon State. Yeah, I know it's a lot of juice. This is kind of a tack-on to all your other bets. I know Kel's offense is uh, is lousy, and they're a hefty 11-point favorite. I don't like that number at all based on how poorly they score. Oregon State might have the worst. I mean, they probably have the worst defense west of the Mississippi. It is incredibly bad. Cal's defense is as strong as ever. They limited Oregon to just 17 last week in their loss uh, to those guys, so I, I don't Think that Oregon State, after it already got its uh, its long-awaited uh, conference win over UCLA early this year, uh, will get a second this season, and they're certainly not going to do it on the road in Berkeley. And then finally, another another uh, favorite on the money line. I like Florida minus two ten against South Carolina. Um, I actually know that South Carolina and teams that have uh, covered. And one outright as enormous dogs typically actually don't have letdown spots. They typically overperform the next week. Um, but this is just a, a, a fade of Will Muschamp that was the least impressive performance in a game like that you'll see in your life. Uh, congratulations uh, to them and the Gamecocks for beating Georgia on the road. But if you watch that game, it was about as unimpressive, uninspired uh, end of game uh, win as you can get in in that kind of situation. So I I certainly didn't leave terribly impressed with them. And Florida is doing a great job of, of doing the best with what they've got. And what they've got is more than enough to beat South Kakalaki. So those are my three picks. And Ryan, a wink and a nod to you. I think we asked for a nickname
2: for Bonex, not for me, you piece of shit. That was uncalled for. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey listen you know he's our editor in the sky he's someone who's always watching he's a little bit like santa claus except with hypertension and uh a crippling gambling problem but other than that he's like exactly like santa claus and an all-knowing eye of sauron so i just want to let you know matt you're doing an incredible job the lord's work if you will really appreciate your videos uh now that you're transitioning to midweek uh maction and sunbelt funbelt play so Really, really enjoying that. All right, we're going to jump into our final two picks here in week eight. I got a good feeling about mine, so I'm going to go real quick. It's interesting because this school is so much fucking fun, and they are totally fine being the butt of the academic jokes of the entire country. Getting into Arizona State is easier than fill in whatever joke you want. It's a good joke starter pack, just everything related to the, the campus there in Tempe. What I don't understand is why they're the opposite of a public team this year. They went to East Lansing. Yes, it was a 10 7 game. It was a disaster. They still beat Michigan State on the road. They, they got a great win last week with their, their freshman quarterback. They run their entire offense through Eno Benjamin. They beat Washington State. And now they get a game against Utah, who is essentially the alpha dog, although they've already lost a game to USC in the South. They're catching 13 and a half points. Like, this is unbelievable to me. This line was in 9-11 font. It was gigantic. It was in bold. It was the lights and marquee. Getting Getting over 10, really, I think is just a treat in this game, particularly for a Utah offense that, oh, congrats. You know, you had a couple good games. You beat the shit out of Oregon State, which I did call last week. You got Zach Moss back. You're a little bit more explosive. Utah's offense is smoke and mirrors, and it's probably fucking bullshit. And Tyler Huntley is not setting the world on fire. So I'll go ahead and take my 13 and a half points. I'm going to call this my bet of the month, not quite my bet of the year. I've been pretty locked in on Pac-12 football this year. I feel good about this one. What do you think of this, Ryan?
2: I like it, too. I don't understand where 13 and a half comes from. I I don't see Utah winning this by two points. I mean, we talked about their defense when it came to Oregon State. They did end up keeping Oregon State down but Isaiah Hodgson still had seven catches in that game for 70 something yards I mean they they are vulnerable even though they were keying on that guy they were able to get the ball to him and that's Oregon State that's not Arizona State Um, so I'm with you here 13 and a half just seems too rich and before we go any further I definitely said that Oregon beat Utah last week and not beat the shit out of Colorado so let me get in that before Matt does his biff trick and fucking listens to my shit and then makes me sound like an idiot after I've said it Son of a bitch. I hate that guy so fucking much.
0: That is a disgusting act.
2: All right. Anyway, <laughs> well, maybe he's teaching me. Maybe this is just him, mister Miyagiing me, so now I'm correcting my mistakes before they get sent to him to edit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Give you a paw. I mean, if, if you're picturing Matt doing an off-color Asian accent, then yes, he's, he's definitely doing that to you. <laughs>
2: All right. I'm going to keep this one simple, too. Uh, We talked about a bet on a coach and on motivation earlier. Uh, This is a bet on Les Miles. Les Miles catching 21 points, going to UT. Again, I think this is something that he probably circled going on the Bighorn Network and probably was a selling point for him going to Kansas that this is a marquee game, this is the sort of thing he always lived for. I think that while not unforeseen, it was a disappointing showing for Texas against Oklahoma. I think this is another one, too, that's deflating. Uh, They go back to UT kind of with their tail between their legs. It wasn't a very close game. I mean, it was was a great game. I enjoyed it. But Oklahoma had control of that game. So I think this is an opportunity for them to to be surprised by Kansas 21 points feels like a lot. And the early money on this agrees with me too. There's a lot of heavy money coming in on the Jayhawk side. So I'm just going to listen to that. I'm going to listen to my gut. I'm going to eat a little grass and I'm going to take Jayhawks plus 21 on the road.
1: That's the dumbest
0: fucking bet I ever heard of.
1: Yeah, I've gone ahead and uh, against the Surgeon General's uh, warning that they put right there on the side of the pack of college football. I have consumed a lot of Kansas Jayhawk football this season. Um, and to be honest, they're just not as shitty as I thought they were going to be. I, I, I'm still in play to hit their season under uh, for win total. But to be honest, even without Puka Williams Jr. playing at like the absolute highest level as he did last year, They're still decent. They're still good for, you know, 17 to 28 points, somewhere in there. And this is a Texas defense that is depleted, particularly in the secondary. I think they're going to give up some big plays. Um, I was very frustrated as an Oklahoma backer in that uh, Sooner-Jayhawk game two weeks ago, just kind of seeing them move the ball play keep away from the opponent's offense. I think you're going to see something similar here. And historically, you know, Kansas has won multiple games this decade against Texas. They certainly get up for Texas. So, and when you look at the roster composition as well, a lot of those kids who grew up Texas Longhorn fans who didn't get recruited by UT end up going to these, uh, you know, satellite schools in the Big 12. They go to K-State, they go to West Virginia, they go to Kansas. So I kind of like it. And to be honest, you know, my gut instinct is in a vacuum. Yeah, Texas is so much more mature in terms of skill position, talents, in terms of you know veteran leadership. They got this great quarterback, but it, it's almost like an NFL line where it doesn't quite make sense to me on a gut level. And because of that, I'm going to go ahead and fade the Longhorns here. And I agree with you. I'm going to go with KU.
2: Well, look at that. All right. So the only correction I need to make over here is that you're laying mega points on Oregon, which I enjoy. Uh, and we'll see what we can get out of our nine-teamer now that we've got Matt's picks, too. Mike, always a pleasure. Can't wait till we finally hit this 9-0 and and we can all, uh, I don't know, the seller houses. We'll, we'll each go buy
1: McMansions in Indianapolis. See you in Broad Ripple. If you would like to be a part of the Shooting the Breeze podcast and send in your voicemails, as Jared did at the open, um, be my fucking friend. I don't know how else to say it. That's the only way I'm going to give you my cell phone number so you can get that organically, as the kids would say. Um, but if you'd like to participate in a different way and you're a stranger, shooting the Breeze at gmail.com or at EastBreeze over at Twitter. That's E-A-S-T-B-R-E-E-S-E. And you can always find us anywhere fine podcasters sold for ryan camp and matt mitchell i'm mike calabrese this has been shooting the breeze enjoy week number eight a double dose of fun belt and a really good saturday slate enjoy everybody